Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Radonik. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible at the Moody Bible Institute. Also happen to be the academic dean there. And this is Moody Radio's Bible study across America. It's where Moody answers your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question, give me a call right now, 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. You can also, if you can't get through, I think you'll be able to get through if you call now, but if you can't get through, you can also post your question by going to openlineradio.org. Click on the link that says, Ask Michael a Question. Fill out the form and your question will be added to the mailbag. Before we get back to the phones, let me tell you about our current resource. I think that it's really important when we study the Bible that we get some big ideas about how to understand it, uh, how we should read it, how we should study it, how we should meditate on it. We need to get the big picture, and a great little book with the big picture is 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible by Colin Smith. He's a pastor here in the Chicago area of a wonderful church called Orchard, the Orchard. Uh, I happen to know someone who I know and love that goes to the Orchard. Her name is Trish McMillan. (laughs) She's our producer. And this is her pastor who has written this book called 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible. It will help you understand how to read, study, meditate on God's Word, get much more out of God's Word. I think you'll love this book, and it's yours as a, as a, when you give a gift of any size to Open Line, we want to send it to you by saying thank you so much for your gift. Here's 10 keys for unlocking the Bible. If you'd like to give a gift, just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, ask for 10 keys for unlocking the Bible. And we're going to talk now with uh, Debbie in Chicago, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Debbie. How can I help you? Thank, thank you, Michael. I've enjoyed your show. Thank you. Um, I want to make a comment that, uh, and then I'll go to my question. My my first comment is, in nine, if we could have used force, uh, probably within 1933, if, if countries had gathered together against Hitler, probably many, many lives could have been saved if the German people had stopped them or if other countries had. Mm -hmm. And my second comment is... Wait, wait, can I just say something? This is something, Uh when Hitler, in I think it was 1935, uh, uh, put his troops back in the Rhine Valley, which was a demilitarized area, at that Mm -hmm. moment, the French army was the largest standing army on earth. And it was powerful. If they had gone in and just demilitarize that area again, it would have caused Hitler to fall. But people were were weak and, af- yeah. and just didn't want to do it, and they allowed evil to further itself. And when you think about it, uh, that's what led to the 30 million dead in yeah. the Second World War. Uh, yeah. uh, people, ne- and, and they would, uh, the, according to the treaties that uh, Germany had signed, after World War I, the French mm-hmm. would have been justified to go into the Rhine Valley and put a stop to that uh, when 
they remilitarized the Rhine Valley. So I'm just saying that's a little bit historical to support what yes, you're saying. Yes, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I yeah. knew there was a time, in fact, if only they had done that, mm-hmm. so many lives could have been saved. Yes. And my other comment was the United States did, as I understand it, did they did send leaflets before they dropped uh, one of the bombs. Uh, I think it was over Nagasaki. Yes, uh, but they didn't do it with did, Dresden. Just so you know. No, they didn't. They no. didn't do it with Dresden. They did no. not, but they did with Japan. Yeah. So maybe because the atomic bomb was yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, and I do support Israel, and I will pray for her. Thank I, you. Uh, my question deals with, you know, scientists report like, now, a glacier, our lake, is three million years old. Or, you know, we have the Ice Age on Earth, and the Ice Age, you know, caused this and this to yeah. happen, and... Uh, such like that, and it makes the earth much, much older, and yet the Bible, in the Bible version, uh, the earth is younger. Now, I've never been a believer in evolution, even as a non-believer, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I wonder about these aging things, you know, when, when they say these things, you know, uh, they, the glacier carved this out 20 million years, well, 10, 5 million years ago, or 3 million yeah. years, whatever, and yet it does, uh, the Bible dating is quite different. Well, yeah, there, I think one of the mistakes we make, if you hold to a young earth, people think it was 4004 B.C. that God created the world with Bishop Usher. Even a young earth approach doesn't really believe that. could be 20,000 B.C. or 50,000 B.C., but still much younger than millions and millions, or as Carl Sagan used to say, billions and billions of years ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, my opinion is two things. When God created the world, he created it with apparent age, meaning uh, that... When Adam was a day old, he didn't look like an infant. He looked like a, a fully grown adult, did he not? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. so yeah. God created the universe. He put stars in the sky and had the light years built right in. So it didn't take all those years for the light to shine down. He, he created the world and uh, the trees all looked fully grown. They didn't look like they were created that day. Uh, the, everything was fully formed as a as mature so they were given apparent age and so that's one reason when they they look back they say oh this is really old and then secondly uh, I really believe in catastrophism and what that means is that there are certain catastrophes that make the earth look older than it is it's what causes fossilization and and some things like that that make it look much older uh, about 40 years ago 40 some years ago when Mount St. Helens blew it it blew uh, the entire top off into, I think it was Victoria Lake below, and all these trees were floating in the lake, and they they got waterlogged, and they were covered in ash and lava and all that from the from Mount St. Helens, and but when they got waterlogged, it went to the roots, and so the, all the trees sunk into the water, and with roots first, so it looks like there's a forest underwater. But because they were covered with lava, they got fossilized. If we were to go look at that lake, Spirit Lake, that's the name of it, Spirit Lake. If you went to Spirit Lake, you would think there's a like a million-year-old forest underneath this lake, and this used to be a forest. I can just hear, if we didn't know about, lake, uh, about Mount St. Helens, we'd be saying, oh, 
millions and millions of years ago, this was an area with a forest. However, wow. now, you know, and so catastrophism yeah. causes a lot of that. And of course, we know there was a universal catastrophe where yeah, the floodgates, the flood. yeah, yeah. The, the floodgates opened, the fountains of the deep opened, the skies opened. And so as a result, uh, you know, we got things like the Grand Canyon and, and things like that. And as a result of the catastrophe, that happened to the earth, it makes it look a lot, much, much, much older. So, uh, you know, when I hear these Thank dates, you. I never get nervous. I just think it's, it's apparent age and catastrophes. Thank you. Thank okay. you. And okay. thank you for your time. And thank you for, I knew there had been the year Hitler could have been stopped, but, and 1935 was kind of floating in my mind. Yeah. But thank you for your clarification of sure. that. Sure. Thanks for your you call. Have a great, okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. You know, I was thinking about what Debbie said. I have a former student... And uh, she wrote to me, uh, and and what she said is that uh, she sent me pictures of her conversation with someone saying that Israel just needs to sit down and reason with with Hamas. They just need to reason. They're human beings, uh, and they they they're reasonable. Uh, and never ever remove the humanity in these situations. They're likely to end up really bad if you move the. No one's trying to remove humanity. Obviously, Israel cares about the Palestinians. But this person's saying, just sit down and talk with them. Don't label Hamas as extremists. And I thought that was just a ridiculous comment. And my student was really frustrated. She said, you can't talk with some people. And here's what I said. If only the Jewish agency would have sat down and talked with Hitler and his henchmen back in 1933, they could have worked out that whole business. I mean, the Nazis aren't, weren't extremists, are they? They're human beings. Well, of course they're human, but they're humans who turned their hearts over to depravity, who hated whom God loves. They were extremists, and sometimes extremism must be dealt with with extreme measures. That, that's the truth. So... Of course, I was being sarcastic when I said that, but uh, my student wrote back, ha, wish I could have said that. But that's just it. You got to think about, uh, you know, I don't like going back to the Nazis all the time. That's certainly, you always lose arguments when you do that. But let's think about it. Genocidal people wanting to destroy the Jewish people uh, back in the day, uh, the last generation, a genocidal group that wants to destroy the Jewish people today can't can't, there, there's some similarity there. I think it's really important to remember that. Uh, you know, before we go, I wanted to ask uh, William Washington, my, my friend who's sitting in with me today, you're the dean of enrollment. I'm sure you've heard this. It's dangerous. I don't, I don't think I want my kids to come to Chicago. Is it safe to come to Moody Bible Institute? It is, uh, Michael. Uh, we're probably in one of the most safest places in Chicago, uh, one of the most high-end locations in Chicago. Uh, we have the Moody Bubble. We have outstanding uh, public safety uh, personnel who can respond and to react. And we also, like you uh, listeners, uh, instruct uh, your young people, be at the right places uh, at the at right, right time. time. You know, and so be smart, be wise. But this is a great place for them to have an opportunity to make a tremendous impact in the Chicagoland communities. We want to be in Chicago. We've had the opportunity to leave Chicago and move to suburban campuses, 
But D.L. Moody made a commitment, made a prayer, and we're standing with it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to abandon the city because God wants us to be here. I used to think the Moody bubble, we used to talk about it all the time, was because our students didn't ever read the newspapers or listen to the news, and they lived in this world of Moody and didn't ever pay attention. When my son was a student, he said to me, oh, no, Dad, the Moody bubble is what the police call this area because it's, it seems to be separate. This whole area of our campus seems to be separate from all the crime in the city of Chicago. It's a safe and secure place because we have a police force, we have public safety, and also... Uh, there's the police around us, and it, for some reason, we stay in a safe and secure place. It's much safer around around Moody Bible Institute than it is anywhere else. Uh, and so, yeah, I th- we're in the Moody Bubble. It's safe, right? That's right. For yeah. 137 years, God has been protecting us. Yep, yep. By the way, the, the safest place to be is the center of God's will. Amen. That's what we have to remember. If it's God's will for you to come to Moody, that's it. Uh, Well, we're going to be right back with more of your questions in just a moment. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Radonik. That was William Washington, who is my guest today. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Radelnik, and I am so glad that you're joining me today. We're talking about the Bible. Uh, We also talked about... uh, what's going on in Gaza earlier in the first hour. If, if your station doesn't carry the first hour, you can always go online and you can listen on our website, openlineradio.org. You can get the Moody Radio app and then you can listen to lots of programs from the past, but get the first hour of today uh, and listen to it there, what I said about just war and what the Bible says about it. And uh, you can also get the podcast. You know, one of the things that I find is I hardly ever listen to Open Line because I'm not here. I'm I'm busy during Open Line. I'm busy on the radio. Uh, so I can't, if I ever do want to listen to Open Line, I listen on the podcast. Uh, sometimes I listen to see uh, a past question if I need to go back or something like that and check it out. So we have a podcast. We podcast this program. It's a great way to listen to it at your leisure. It's on-demand Open Line. That's what we call it. So uh, check it out one way or the other. Uh, some of the people who have become kitchen table partners have written to me and they say they became kitchen table partners and they never listen to the program live. They actually only listen on the Moody Radio app or the podcast. Uh, so they listen at their convenience. One of our uh, partners says she listens on the way to work every day, which I think she spaces out, I think about 10 minutes every day driving along. I, I so appreciate people becoming part of the team. I'm a real team person. You know, I am blessed by God uh, with Courtney. She's the the best engineer in the world. Love her so much and especially love her because she loves my dogs and watches them sometimes and uh, I, when we go away. I appreciate that so much. And uh, by the way, everyone, uh, Courtney, you should get ready to come on the air here. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, you'll be leaving us soon uh, as our... The, as okay, the best no, engineer in the world, right? Into, I was editing the show as I was. Okay. But, uh, okay, here I am. Okay. Uh, you're going to be leaving us shortly? Yes, what? I am. Well, well it's bad news for us, but good news for you. What are you going to do? I'm getting 
getting married. There we go. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Moody's what? a big fan of getting married, so everyone's real supportive. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic. I met your husband-to-be. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. And he you're, really is. Yeah. He loves the Lord. Yeah, it's great. And I, Now, Courtney, you're going to live... In a foreign country, right? I'm going to be in Canada yeah, for a that's little it. while at least. Yeah. Yep. So, well, anyway, we're, I, I'm going to miss you terribly. Mm, I, I, I am, I'm really team-oriented, and you're just like such a vital member of this team. And uh, Trish, of course, everyone knows uh, Eva and I are, are just, we love her so much too. And it's, We are a family. Yeah, it's we a great really family. It's, yeah. it's the hardest job I've ever had to leave. I actually talked with all the boss guys yesterday, and I'm like, it's not just a give my two weeks kind of position. My heart is here, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not really actually leaving, leaving, leaving. So yeah. I'll You're going to keep be, working for Moody yeah, from I'm a distance? I'm still going to be doing a lot of Open Line and Ed Stetzer and Living by Faith production still mm -hmm. while I'm in Canada. I just won't be in, you know, be able to see your face. Yeah, I I know so. that. Um, I I'm I'm gonna miss you terribly, but I know that it's God's will, and so I'm celebrating with you. Uh, I didn't try and sabotage your engagement <laughs> or anything. I just because I know it's what God wants for you, and I think it's fantastic. And well, thank you. But we're gonna miss you. But you see, this we've got a team here, and what I love so much about our kitchen table partners, I feel, and they have expressed it to me. You've expressed it to me, William, haven't you? Right. We're all part of the team. Part of the team. Yeah, and I think that that is what it means to be a kitchen table partner, to join the team and uh, give monthly, pray for us. I just so appreciate uh, this this idea of team members joining together to get the word out to people all across uh, America. And, I, you know, there are people all over the globe that listen to Open Line, which always amazes me when we get a phone call from someone a few weeks ago my friend Samuel from Israel called up and said, I'm listening as, <laughs> as I'm driving in my car. And yeah, I remember we were in Israel and we were at a cafe and we were standing behind a woman and she recognized you and then said to me, I'm a kitchen table partner. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, God yeah. is on the move. Yeah, there are people all over. So if you're interested in becoming a kitchen table partner, we would so appreciate that generosity of, of supporting Open Line every month. The way to do it, uh, to become part of the team is by calling 888-644-7122 or you can sign up online by going to openlineradio.org and then I'll be able to send you every other week a Bible study moment uh, designed exclusively for our kitchen table partners. Again, 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And uh, we're going to talk with John in Indiana listening on WIWC Welcome to Open Line, John. How can I help you? Thank you, Dr. Meyer, for taking my call. I stand with Israel. Thank you. Um, a long time ago, and I wish I could remember who said it, he said, anybody who says that Palestine is an occupied territory and the Zionists have to be removed, the UN, on their application for membership, has a question who was your first leader? Well, of course, America was George Washington and Israel was King Saul. But how would a Palestinian answer that question? Therefore, how can they claim to be a country? Well, I don't think Israel put down King Saul as their first leader. Uh, I'm not sure that's really on a question for well, application for membership in the UN. Uh, uh, I, I actually believe 
that there's a, a what it is is the only indigenous people ever to govern themselves in what is today Israel, what was called Palestine for since about 135 A.D. up until 1948. Uh, before that, it was Judea and the land of Israel and so forth. Also in the New Testament called the land of the Jews. But the only indigenous people to ever self-govern in the land of Israel was are the Jewish people. That's something I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point that uh, was being made. So that you know, there was of course ancient Israel, uh, and then Judea uh, under the Hasmoneans, the Hasmonean rule from one forty two to sixty three B.C. Then the Romans came in, and ever ever since sixty three B.C. up until nineteen forty eight, it's always been external rule by a colonial power. Uh, You'll hear Israel is colonial. Israel is not a colonialist nation. It is an indigenous people. The Jewish people are indigenous to the land of Israel, and they are self-governing. And, you know, I will say this. Israel has always wanted the Palestinians to establish their own government as well uh, in 1937, in 1947, in uh, 2000, in 2005 or six. Uh, when Ehud Olmert was, oh, 2008, when Ehud Olmert was prime minister, they made offers to the Palestinians for self-government uh, and statehood, and each time they rejected it. It's unfortunate uh, that they did reject it uh, because they could have been a self-governing state, uh, but they they didn't want a part to experience a partial aspect of the land. They wanted all of it, and that's why they rejected those offers. And the words of Israeli foreign minister, now deceased, but in the past, uh, Abi Ibn once said, the Palestinians have never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity, and it's so sad that their government made those decisions uh, to miss those opportunities. Thanks for your call, John. Uh, Rich in Burlington, Wisconsin, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Rich. How can I help you? Thank you for your uh, uh, taking my call, and also thank you for your comments. I, I appreciate, it, especially hearing about the news from Israel. Um, I have a question that I'm struggling with at our church. We have a few staff members, including a pastor, who has been um, uh, an advocate and advocate online, uh, publishing materials about the gospel. That what. I call a different gospel, but I'm not, I would like your take on Christus Victor. He basically doesn't um, agree with the idea that Christ's death and, uh, was a substitution for our death. He uh, doesn't agree with eternal conscious torment uh, in hell. Um, and it's uh, the Christus Victor, I'm, I'm calling it a progressive gospel that we're going to uh, okay. You know, you know. Let me let me stop you there, Rich. Let's just deal with the issue of the meaning of the atonement. Okay, let's start right there. Okay, here's uh, what the Book of Isaiah in chapter fifty-three says. It says, "We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him." For the iniquity of us all. God laid on him the punishment that we deserve. Now we go back to 1 Corinthians 15, which explains the gospel. It says that the Messiah died for our sins. What does that mean? He died as punishment 
for our sins, uh, and then was raised again, so he's alive. That's how he is the victor over death. And then, uh, very important, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, where it says, he made him who knew no sin, that's the Lord Jesus, to become sin. He didn't really become sinful. He became a sin offering for us, a sin sacrifice for us. He made him who knew no sin to become a sin offering for us that we might be the righteousness of God in him. There are many views of the atonement and the meaning of the atonement, but I believe the view that's called vicarious substitutionary atonement, that Jesus died in our place so that we can have life, and then he was raised again, that's the best explanation for it. If I were going to a church where the leadership were not teaching substitutionary atonement, my, my friend, I would say I need to find a new church. Uh, that's, I, I think it's such an essential aspect of the good news, okay? Uh, now, as for uh, eternal conscious torment, that's a hard one. I uh, subscribe that people will be eternally separated and that will be suffering. Uh, and so that's what's called eternal conscious torment. There's a lot of scripture about that. Uh, there are some people who believe in the termination of souls that after they suffer a little while, they'll be extinguished. Uh, I think a person could, let me just put it this way, I think it's possible for someone like John Stott who believes in the, in, uh, the extermination of souls ultimately, he could be saved and he was saved because he believed in vicarious substitutionary atonement. I think, though, if a person denies substitutionary atonement, they're denying an essential of the gospel, and it is it demonstrates that they're not uh, a genuine follower of Jesus because they don't understand the gospel. And so uh, let me just say, on the one hand, I though I disagree with the second about e that what you're saying about them denying eternal conscious torment, I think it's still possible to be saved. But if you deny substitutionary atonement, I think it, it is something that is... Uh, a false teaching that should be, that should be, I just couldn't go to a church where they didn't teach substitutionary vicarious atonement. Does that help at all, Rich? I hope it does. Well, can I just add to No, it? no, we, we're going to a break. It's a yes, no question. So, okay. We're going to be right back. I'll, I'll Hang on, Rich. I'll see if there's something else I need to answer. This is Michael Ray Delnick. You're listening to Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Rytelnik. And before Trisha McMillan joins me, I want to talk with you uh, about FEBC. This is the FEBC mailbag. We're so grateful that Far Eastern Broadcasting Company is partnering with Moody Radio to help bring you Open Line. You can get a deeper perspective on how the gospel is advancing in the world's most unreached countries through the weekly podcast called until all have heard with my friend, Ed Cannon. I love Ed Cannon. Anything I could do to listen to Ed Cannon every week, I would do it. Uh, it's, uh, he's just a great friend. Used to be the vice president and chief operating officer right here at Moody Bible Institute. He's the president of Far Eastern Broadcasting Company. All the details for this and more about FEBC's extensive outreach can be found at FEBC. Dot org. That's F-E-B-C dot org. And here comes Trisha McMillan. She's schlepping in the mailbag. And also, uh, now you're a Moody grad, Trisha. Yes. Uh, and uh, 
William Washington is here. Dr. Washington is the Dean of Enrollment, Vice President of Student Life and Dean of Enrollment. Now, there's something that I think we both will say how much we appreciate. What is it that you think people need to know about coming as a resident undergraduate student at Moody Bible Institute? We are the only Christian college in America that helps underwrite tuition for our students, meaning that our students, if they live on campus, they're in our undergraduate program, they don't pay tuition. They get a tuition scholarship, They get a tuition scholarship. So they have to pay room and board and fees, but we have loyal supporters, listeners, donors who see the intrinsic value of helping our students not carry a huge amount of debt when they leave Moody Bible Institute. So the value proposition is here with tuition. So everyone that lives in the in the dorms here gets a tuition scholarship, except for Trisha McMillan. She didn't get one. That's not true. You got one too. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I got one too. I was a student a long time ago. the The scholarship was a lot less back then when I was a student. You know, uh, because scholar because truthfully. Room and board was a lot less because <laughs> Lincoln was president when when I went to Moody, or Mr. Moody was president to Moody. That's what, no, I was here a long time ago. But anyway, I think that's one of the most phenomenal things. And one of the thing, oh, one of the things I felt was uh, that I used to get my bill, and it would have the room and board amount when I was a student, and then it would say tuition, and there'd be a zero, and it would say paid for by friends of the institute. And, you know, every time I, th- I saw that, I would think about some dear woman, you know, on a fixed income, a retiree, sending her $10 a month in so I can go to Moody Bible Institute. And it just meant so much to me that there were people out there that believed in my future in ministry that they would be willing to pay for my schooling. It just meant a lot to me, and it, it continues to mean a lot to me when I look at every student that's a resident here getting that grant. It is so amazing, God's power and presence, to motivate and inspire people to support our students in this manner. And I just want to thank everyone who contributes $5, $10, $10, $10,000 to that end. Hey, you know, uh, I I mentioned uh, the tuition paid or grant or whatever we call it uh, once on the radio, and a dear friend of mine who has been my friend for years and years and years wrote, I had no idea. Uh, she thought that Moody was like other colleges, you know, with $40,000 a year tuition and things like that. She was, I had no idea. So, yeah, I'm really grateful that you mentioned that. Hey, Trish, what do you got in the mailbag for me? Well, I have a couple things. One, I've had a couple people ask if we could repeat the news source that you had talked about as sure. being a good news source of where to find a more unbiased um, view of the events that are happening in Israel. Yeah, sure. Timesofisrael.com. Timesofisrael.com. Let's put that on the Facebook page if we can. Okay. Can we can we recommend it there? Sure. Or, okay. I will I will add that. I can't do it right this yeah. second because I'm yeah. not that good at multitasking. Yeah, that's good. But um, timesofisrael.com. Timesofisrael.com. And again, the um, the link, I may have said it was a green button. That's because the other program that I work with is green, is one of our colors. Our buttons are red, uh-huh. so it's a red button. But there's a button that I put on our website, which is openlineradio.org, 
that says Pray for Israel website and resources. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. It's a red button. It There's another red button that says Program Details and Audio. So it looks like that button, but it's under our Hour 1 Summary at openlineradio.org main page. Scroll to where you see the summaries for today's program, and it's a red box button that says Pray for Israel website and resources. That's the easiest place to find it since we're always giving you our website. It's the easiest place to find it. So that is um, website. It's got different resources of ministries. If you're looking for um, ways Mm -hmm. to support them, you can learn more about those. There's um, different audio programs that we have uh, put together um, and ways to pray. I saw there was even something I wrote on that page. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think for today in the word. Yeah. 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 So So lots of helpful things there for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So our first question is from, I just lost her question. Hold on. Oh no. Um, Lynn in Georgia listens to GNN radio. She said, as we watch what's happening in Israel now, it is hard to see the suffering I'm having trouble understanding why God allows this with his chosen nation. Will Israel always be victorious? Mm -hmm. Well, let me just say, first of all, I see the suffering in Israel. I see the suffering in Gaza. And uh, I think I want to reiterate something that I said in the first hour, that Hamas embeds among ordinary citizens. Israel is trying to get those citizens of, of Gaza to get out of the line of fire. And the problem is in my opinion, is Hamas is holding them back. Here's what's to remember. Israel uses rockets to defend their people, but Hamas uses their people to defend their rockets. Let's never forget that. Uh, I think that our resp- there is a lot of suffering, and even God's people suffer. I don't always have the explanation for it. You know, People want to say, oh, it's because somehow the Jews are worse than others. I think that is uh, a harsh, unkind, untrue statement. I've heard that a lot this week, uh, and uh, it's, it's not true. I think the answer for us is from the book of Isaiah, and it's something that we need to be doing, particularly now when Israel is reeling in pain over the hostages and over the, the murder. This is the worst terrorist attack per capita in the history of the world. Wow. Most people don't know that. Uh, if you count the number of dead compared to the number of Israelis that there are, both Arab and Is- Arabs and Jewish Israelis. Ar- Israel is 20% uh, Arab, 80% Jewish. Uh, when you count the... N- so Israel's about 9 million people. When you count the number of dead in this terrorist attack, it is the single worst per capita for this nation than any terrorist attack in the history of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we think about that, mm-hmm. we have to understand why Israel is brokenhearted. Our answer has to be Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned. Now, I, I do believe people need to put their trust in Yeshua, and that's when their iniquity will be pardoned. Mm-hmm. But she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. In my opinion... This is not about Israel's sin, it, but, but the message here, that's talking about the return from captivity. That's what uh, the nations were called to do. But I think the principle applies here as well. Uh, comfort, comfort my people, 
says your God. I think we need to stand with Israel, not just support their military activity right now, but also I think we need to just, you know, what, like many nations came to our side to bring comfort after 9-11. I think that's what we need to do as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's, okay. that's what I think. All right. Mm -hmm. Joe in Louisiana listens to the podcast and says, can you explain why exactly the Palestinians hate the Jewish people? Does this go back to Ishmael and Isaac? It does not go back to Ishmael and Isaac. The idea that the Arabs are the descendants of Ishmael is actually from the Quran. It's not from the Bible. And so, you know, all the people that want to make this Abraham's fault with Hagar, not, not, not true. Uh, it goes back, I think, to the British uh, after World War I, where they made contradictory promises to the Arab states and to the Jewish people. They, they made con different British officials made contradictory promises uh, when Israel, when, the, when they said that they would create a Jewish homeland, when the League of Nations established that British promise after wo World War I and gave the British the mandate, uh, many uh, Arabs said, well, that's contradictory. They, that was promised to us. But the truth of it is what the British did is they created an Arab state, Jordan, and they were then working to create a Jewish state, Israel. Then the UN said, okay, we'll take the Jewish state and we'll divide that and make a Palestinian or an Arab state and a Jewish state, another one, another Arab state, and the Palestinians rejected that. So uh, the, the truth of it is that uh, it, the reason for it is they blame, I think they hate Israel because they blame their suffering on the wrong people. If, if I were a Palestinian, and I actually talk with many Palestinians, and when we talk about it, they will concede that, yes, much of their suffering is because of the bad decisions of their leadership and their callous attitudes toward their own people. Uh, and so, uh, but of course they're resentful of Israel uh, having had the success of building the startup nation in this modern time. So. Okay. All right. One final question for our mailbag segment from mm. me, but for everybody, how, how are you praying? How can we pray? How mm. should we pray? I think this is crucial. I've been praying, uh, first of all, that, uh, Deuteronomy 20, because I, I have so many friends in the military mm -hmm. and they've been called up and, uh, I'm, I'm deeply worried, uh, so Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, I'm praying that this would be true, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. That's, uh, I'm praying that would be true for Israel now. I'm praying for the safety of, of the troops that are going in. It's going, they, they so want to preserve innocent life that they endanger themselves as they go to battle. I know this for a fact because my son was trained in this urban warfare as part of the, his time serving in the Israel Defense Forces, and they are taught to endanger themselves rather than risk the lives of, of civilians. And so it's very dangerous, and so I pray for their safety and, and uh, their safe return. Uh, I pray for that, and I pray for the, the, the wisdom of Israel's leadership, that they know what they're doing. I mean, this is a big task that they have before them. And finally, I pray for the, the Palestinian civilians, even those who were celebrating initially this, this attack 
they were that was human foolishness, I believe, when they celebrated that. Now they've come to their senses. They see that Hamas has wrought terrible things for them, and they're trying to get to safety. And I pray that they'll be able to get to mm-hmm. safety. Uh, I'm just deeply concerned for them. So mm-hmm. as is, I heard the military spokesman for the Israel Defense Forces in his briefing today. He talked about how much they cared about those Palestinians being allowed to get out and go. They've negotiated an agreement with with Egypt to allow them to go to Egypt as well. So, yeah, well, that's that's how I'm praying. Okay, yeah. thank you. Well. Thank you, Tricia. Those are great questions. Thanks for all those people who sent them in. We're going to come back with uh, a couple more questions. We're not going to do a rapid-fire answer uh, today. That's uh, that's going to be another time. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. Tricia McMillan was asking those questions. William Washington's been here with me as well. Uh, don't go away. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Radelnik. I'm so grateful that you've been listening today. I love talking with you all as well. Uh, Chosen People Ministries always offers a resource for our listeners, and they have a new one today, and I want you to, to check it out. It's called Israel, the Land and Its People, and it's a uh, coffee table photo book. And I think it's such a great book because... You know, I think too often we have a perspective, an image of Israel in our minds that sort of makes it look like a flannel graph. You know, people walk around in robes and uh, sandals and seeing ancient buildings and things like that. Israel is a modern country. And sometimes it's really helpful for us to see that this is a modern people that needs to needs to hear the old, old story. They need to hear the gospel today. And this is a book that will help us understand and appreciate the land of Israel. If you'd like a copy of it for free, Chosen People Ministries will send it to you as a gift. All you have to do is go to, their, to our webpage, openlineradio.org, scroll down, You'll you'll see a link there that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, and they'll send you a free copy of Israel, the Land and Its People photo book. Uh, we're going to talk to Johnny in Jupiter, Florida, listening to WRMB. Welcome to Open Line, Johnny. How can I help you today? Hi, Michael. Um, uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, I wanted to. T- I was telling Tricia I've been to. Israel with you, and when you went with Michael Van Lanningham and his wife, and Eva, and Larry Feldman, and it was wonderful. I've, and Fran, I'd to, yep. I'd, I'd love to come back. I would love to do it again. I wish, wish I could have gone with you this last one. That's um, great. Trip. Thank you. Anyway, my question, I just, I don't, first of all, my heart's broken about what's the chaos that Hamas is perpetuating on Israel. It's just unbelievable. I just don't understand, going back even from Jimmy Carter, when he came back and said, oh, how awful Israel is, um, the way they treat the Palestinians. I know Jewish people are honorable. Why is this, and actually probably it was kind of answered in, in Trisha's mailbox just a few minutes mm-hmm. ago, but why are even the Palestinians in New York and they're protesting? Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they would why they're not backing yeah. Israel. Well, let me just say that there's Jimmy Carter. You mentioned him. He wrote a book, Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. And he then says, claims, and he's the one that really started this 
thing where Israel's an apartheid state. Israel is absolutely not an apartheid state. Uh, if you, when, when uh, people who are from South Africa who lived under apartheid go to Israel, they laugh at that concept. Uh, Israel is not an apartheid state. And uh, uh, it's very important to understand that. Uh, there are 20% of Israel are Arab citizens. They're in the, the social welfare system. They get retirement. They get Social Security. They're in the, the socialized medicine of Israel. They are full participants. They can go to university. They, they serve as uh, they go to medical school. They serve as pharmacists. They uh, are fully, in fact, if you go to a pharmacy in Israel, most likely you'll have a, a Palestinian Arab or an Israeli Arab as your pharmacist. Uh, 90% of them are are from an Arab descent. Uh, the other thing is that they serve in, in the Knesset. They, they have political parties. They, uh, they serve on the High Court of Justice. It is not an apartheid state. Uh, and even those areas like in the West Bank uh, where the Palestinians live, they are not citizens of Israel. They are often mistreated and oppressed, not by Israel, but by the Palestinian Authority. It's really important that people know the Palestinian Authority, who have governmental control for most of the West Bank. Uh, they are, uh, a, 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 what I would call it, an authoritarian, dictatorial regime. Their president, uh, Abbas, has been president 15 years for his five-year term. They just don't hold elections. Uh, and so it is crucial to understand, uh, and it, uh, what amazes me most is that Palestinians in the West Bank, even though they're not citizens of Israel, can bring uh, requests and, and charges and want things resolved at the High Court of Justice of Israel. They have access to the High Court. Uh, it, this idea of it being apartheid, uh, and then of course when there's terror activities and problems and Israel tries to deal with it, then they're said to be oppressive. Uh, it is... It's a land dispute at its heart. I want to be fair about saying that, but I think that partition is the only response. That's what the UN did. That's what uh, Israel has tried to do on a variety of times. And uh, it's uh, what do we hear in the protests? Palestine shall be free from where? From the river, that's the Jordan River, to the sea, the Mediterranean. In other words, their goal is not partition, not a two-state solution, what their goal is, the eradication of Israel. And that's unfortunate because that's not going to happen. God won't let it happen. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, uh, I, I pray that they would finally come to grips with Israel and, and come to peace. That's what I would hope for. Uh, anyway, that's the program for the week. Thanks for your call, Johnny. Thanks for everyone who called for making this program possible. Thanks for joining me today, William Washington. And uh, also, Trish... And uh, Courtney, thanks for all your help this week. Remember, keep in touch with us during the week by going to our website, openlineradio.org. There's also great links, especially the Pray for Israel link. You'll want to check that out. And uh, you can see how our current resource and how to become a Kitchen Table partner as well. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Michael Redelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.